Hello and welcome to this Radiant On Air podcast. I am Jeff Engel, Assistant Vice President of Mortgage Learning for Radiant Guarantee. Back with us again is Radiant Group's award-winning Chief Information Security Officer, Donna Ross. Welcome back to the podcast, Donna. Hi, Jeff. I'm happy to be back, especially during Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Since 2004, the President of the United States and Congress have declared October to be Cybersecurity Awareness Month, helping individuals protect themselves online. We'll get to it later, but as you know, threats to technology and confidential data have been more commonplace. Yes, another Cybersecurity Awareness Month is upon us. First, I want to start out with a big congratulations to both you and Radiant. Now, for our listeners, Donna was recognized as a C100 winner that honors the top 100 U.S. CISOs, or Chief Information Security Officers. And Radiant Group was ranked in the Forbes Top 200 Most Secure Companies in the Country. Pretty exciting times here. What have you and the team been focusing on to maintain this success? Jeff, we stay vigilant 7 by 24 by 365. Adversaries must be right once, but we have to be right every time. People, processes, and technology are the three pillars that we focus on at Radiant. We have detailed professionals with diverse expertise in all areas like vulnerability management, application security, incident response, network security, and governance, just to name a few. We also have policies, procedures, work instructions, and detailed playbooks. We exercise our plans regularly to build muscle memory and focus on continuous improvements. We have a suite of best-in-class security tools. Just as we exercise our playbooks, we test our tools with things like threat hunts, tabletop exercises, and other exercises. Cyber threats are constantly changing, so we have to conduct regular risk assessments. Most importantly, we collaborate with IT and the business teams to ensure that security is integrated into our processes and our projects. Well said. It is a true company effort to stay vigilant and ensure that we keep our information safe. Okay, let's talk statistics. In the previous two podcasts, which our listeners should definitely check out if they have not done so already, Both are linked in the description below. We reviewed a lot of stats around cybersecurity. So let's take a look at what we have seen since our last podcast in October 2022. According to the Astra's August 2023 security report, 300,000 new malware are created every day. 92% of those are delivered via email. Every 39 seconds, there is a hacker attack. 97% of all security breaches exploit WordPress plugins. And 66% of CIOs say they plan to increase investment in cybersecurity. Now, this is only the tip of the proverbial iceberg. So what is your initial reaction to these types of statistics? Jeff, I'm going to counter you with some stats that I found in my research. In 2023, Deloitte surveyed over 1,000 security executives. Here's a few of those more substantial points. 91% reported at least one cybersecurity incident. That would include an attempt or an actual breach in their system in the last 12 months. 59% provide annual security awareness training for all employees. 58% plan to increase their cyber investments in the next year while 54% disclosed that successful cyber incidents 
have resulted in IP theft, intellectual property theft. And by 2025, cybercrime damage is expected to hit the $10.5 trillion mark in losses. So what does this tell you? That iceberg you mentioned is far larger than we thought. These statistics tell us that cybersecurity is a primary focus for almost all businesses and all business types as it impacts everyone pretty much the same. My reaction to all of these numbers is that we cannot let our guard down. The attackers are relentless. They constantly try to find new ways to beat the system. They don't stop. Amazing and quite concerning, especially when you hear the word trillion in losses. Okay, well, I'm going to continue to pile on the statistics. Um, in the past, we discussed phishing, very important topic in the industry and you know here at Radium as a whole. So here's a few pretty impressive numbers on phishing. Google blocked over 231 billion spam and phishing emails. Over 850,000 domain names were reported for phishing. And 74% of more than 16,000 cyber incidents were due to human error, which includes, guess what, phishing. Staggering numbers, right? So what are your thoughts on how companies can be more careful with this type of cybercrime given how common it has become? Jeff, we've talked about this before and it's definitely worth mentioning again. We need to educate, train, and practice in order to combat phishing. I think security teams need to ask themselves, do our employees know how to identify a phishing email? If the employees constantly fail the test, they need to be trained more. We can see that human error plays a major role in cyber attacks, and we can't ignore the importance of educating our teams on the red flags to look for. Yeah, to be honest, I'm overly cautious. If I don't recognize it, I tag it. I'd rather be safe than sorry when it comes to the phishing emails. All right, shifting topics just a little bit. Um, I've been reading a lot about business email compromise attacks. Much of this revolves around businesses implementing multi-factor authentication, or MFA, to protect against things like BEC or business email compromise. There was even a recent FBI public service announcement on this. They called it the $50 billion scam. Can you define and explain both BEC and MFA and why it is so important to enable this type of security both in business as well as personal situations? Sure, Jeff. BEC is short for Business Email Compromise, and MFA is the acronym for Multi-Factor Authentication. BEC takes many forms, but it occurs when an adversary compromises legitimate email accounts. We see this often in banking and real estate scams, since that's where the money is. The bad actor attempts an unauthorized transfer of funds by changing the bank routing number, for example. When you sign into your online accounts, a process we call authentication, you're providing the service that you are who you are and that you're who you say you are. Traditionally, that's been done with a username and password. But username and passwords are often easy to discover and passwords are hard to remember, so people often make them easy to use or reuse them across many different sites or applications. So multi-factor authentication helps protect consumers by introducing another factor to the login process. Multi-factor authentication utilizes multi-factors of user authentication to gain access to an application, account, or device. 
A factor in authentication is a way of confirming your identity when you try to sign in. For example, a password is one kind of factor. It is a thing you know. The three most common kinds of factors are something you know, again, like a password or a PIN you've memorized, something you have, like a smartphone or a secure USB key, and something you are, like a fingerprint or facial recognition. Yeah, I'm probably one of many that finds MFA a little, say, annoying, but I also know the importance of it. It takes, you know, an extra 10 seconds to log in, but if it's going to keep my information safe, it's well worth it. All right, so let's talk recent news. In the mortgage and real estate industry, there was a recent headline that caught many off guard regarding a large scale cyber attack. Can you provide some details on this? Jeff, according to publicly available news sources, the cyber attack on the MLS or multiple listing service disrupted real estate operations nationwide in the U.S. The system, which serves over 100 MLS nationwide, was severely compromised. The organization said it was investigating the attack and that the data security, confidentiality and privacy were a priority, but did not address speculations that the incident was a ransomware attack. And if you remember, a ransomware attack is where the attacker encrypts the victim's data and demands payment in exchange for a decryption key. So how could this be prevented in the future? The key to prevention is cyber resilience. Cyber resilience is an organization's ability to prevent, withstand, and recover from cybersecurity incidents. According to the 2023 Accenture State of Cybersecurity Resilience Report, many organizations are facing challenges with their cyber resilience due to geopolitical factors, um, causing more than 40% of the polled organizations to update their business continuity and enterprise risk plans. We need to change the mindset from reacting to incidents to planning and preparing to catch the incident before it happens, but also to be ready to recover if that incident does happen. Enhancing an organization's cybersecurity resiliency helps organizations function in a safer environment. Yeah, thanks, Donna. And great points and great information on cyber resiliency. That's probably a term that many of our listeners have never heard of before. Um, now, I want to go back to the MLS issue. I also think of data breaches, right? That comes to mind as well. And in fact, in the news, again, was a large mortgage servicer that had a pretty large scale data breach. I also read a recent report from IBM that said in their 2023 report on the cost of data breaches, it shows an average breach costs a company four. million. And in the financial sector, which obviously is where Radiant sits, it's an average of $5.9 million in losses. How can these breaches be avoided? Well, one of the problems is that one in three breaches is identified by an organization's own security tools or teams. This means that employees may be accessing things they shouldn't. Also, 82% of the breaches are ones that involve data stored in the cloud, and this could be private, public, or multiple cloud environments. We all use cloud storage, and we all have security teams and tools. But if we're not cautious with how we implement these tools or utilize the storage, breaches will continue. What's even more impressive is that there's actually a $1.49 million cost savings achieved by organizations with the highest levels of incident reporting, planning, and testing. This goes to show 
that the more planning and review of security, not only the safer the organization is from these threats, but they'll save millions of dollars. We need to continue to roll out our strong, complex, and well-prepared security tools with close monitoring from our teams and ensure we can stop a breach before it incurs. Complexity is the enemy of security. Yeah, it's almost a one and a half million dollars savings, which is all the more reason to focus on incident reporting, planning, testing, and just being prepared as a whole. An additional threat that I've seen skyrocketing, and it's one that we discussed last year, it's social engineering. On that same Asher report that I mentioned earlier, 75% of security professionals consider social engineering to be the most dangerous threat. Can you provide us a breakdown again on what is social engineering, why it's such a threat, and how do you think it can be stopped? Social engineering in cybersecurity is the practice of manipulating someone into giving up sensitive information, usually through exploiting human error or by taking advantage of their trust in digital communications. Social engineering tricks people into divulging sensitive information. To prevent this type of threat, think before you click, research the sources, don't download files you don't know, and remember, if it is too good to be true, it probably isn't. Offers and prizes are probably fake. All right, let's pivot a bit from business-related security to personal security. Uh, credit card theft, identity theft, they continue to be a significant concern. Per that same Asher report, 17.5 million pieces of credit card information were sold on the black markets between 2022 and 2023. Now, this type of crime can really have devastating results on somebody's personal credit, their mental well-being. I mean, there's so many factors at play here. So what are some of the best ways to help prevent this or potentially respond to a threat? First, call the place where the fraud occurred. Also, contact the three major credit reporting agencies. Ask those agencies to place fraud alerts and the credit freeze on your accounts. Report the identity theft to the FTC. Report the identity theft to IC3. And don't forget, change passwords on any online accounts, including email. Change login pins for financial accounts or institutions. Report a misused social security card number if that's occurred. And then review your social security work history by creating account at socialsecurity.gov my account. If you find errors, then contact your local social security office. Call the fraud department at your other institutions, for example, credit card issuers, banks, and other places where you have accounts. And finally, consider a credit monitoring service. Great info, Donna, appreciate that. Now, for our listeners, take a moment to download the helpful resource we have provided in the description of this podcast. And chances are, you or someone that you know has been a victim of this type of crime. So it's always helpful to have information to support when it's needed. All right, so let's take a look at the future a little bit, get out that crystal ball. I think we've talked about a couple of times in the past. What do you see being the most concerning cybersecurity threat for 2024? Um, and maybe when we do our next episode next year, well, we'll see if you're right with your prediction. I don't have a crystal ball, and I, really I don't need one. There are many analysts already that are making these predictions, not only for 2024, but well beyond that. On LinkedIn, I recently read an article with 10 predictions, 
including how global ransomware damages are expected to skyrocket over the next five years, the cost of cyber insurance will continue to go into the billions. How about more than 90% of all humans six years old and above will be online by the year 2030? That's more than seven and a half billion users. Think of the errors people make now and how many more they could make if they're not aware of the dangers. So the reality is that cybercrime is becoming more sophisticated, but many of the traditional forms still reign as the most impactful. So while there will always be a continued evolution of crimes, many will remain as they have and will continue to disrupt unless we become more cautious. Yep, I'm not surprised about the six-year-old and up. I look at my kids, how they navigate a tablet better than I can sometimes. But it's also a pretty bold warning, I think, for, for all of us, right? I need to educate my kids. Everybody else out there needs to continue to educate themselves, their children, their family on what to do, what not to do, what to click on, what not to click on. Obviously, you know, we can only hope that things get better, but the trends are telling us that cyber crimes are clearly not going away. There are some great resources for protecting children online. The best tool is education, and I'm glad to hear that you're looking at ways to educate yourself and your children, Jeff. <laughs> we try. Uh, it's not easy since it's always evolving, um, but again, it's, a, it's an effort that we all need to make. All right, Donna, great information as always. And for our listeners, please be sure to hit that like button and subscribe to Radiant On Air as we continue to roll out more content. And as I mentioned before, this is our third cybersecurity podcast. So please download, share, and like the others as well. They may be a year or two old, but the content is still extremely relevant and vital to better understanding how to protect yourself and your company. And Donna, as always, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, amazing information on an extremely important topic. We love having you on. Hope to bring you back again next year. Thanks, Jeff. I'm looking forward to being back next year. And thanks for being cyber aware.